This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, you may be seated. Thank you for being with us, and thank you, teenagers, for leading us. Would you let them know if you enjoyed that this morning? It's exciting to see them grow and be able to lead and all of those things. There's been many years that we didn't have teens that were able to do that, and so it's exciting to, to see that happening and, uh, um, and, and just for them to lead us into worship. And so we have been going through, uh, in the book of John, there are seven I am statements, and we've gone through six of them leading up to today where we will conclude uh, this series, if you will. And so we've looked at several things. In the previous six, basically it's Jesus saying who he is, But in all of those things, he's not just saying, hey, this is who I am, but it's also what I am doing for you and what I have done for you. And so we've looked at all of those different things. We've looked at he is the bread of life. He is there. He's giving us nourishment. He is the light guiding us, exposing sin. He is the door by which we must walk through. He is the shepherd guiding. He is loving and caring and protecting. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And these first six have all looked at basically what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and it all comes back to what he has done for us. We came to John 14 last week, and we looked at John 14. Jesus came to them and he said, listen, I'm getting ready to leave. They're in the upper room, and he begins to wash their feet. As he's washing their feet, he eventually tells them, hey, one of you will betray me, to which they're all kind of looking around, what's going on? Judas eventually would leave. Jesus then looks at the rest that were there and he says, listen, I'm getting ready to depart. And for the next several, uh, in the passage of scripture, through the next, the rest of really John chapter 14, he begins to comfort them, he begins to love them, he begins to tell them, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm preparing you for where I'm going, and hey, I'm going to come back, but right now you can't come with me, I'll come back and I'll get you. We come to John chapter 15 and the, the, the tides kind of change a little bit. In John 15, it's not so much, hey, this is what I'm doing for you, but hey, now you have a task to do because when I'm gone, all of this must continue. The teaching must continue. These things have to continue to happen. But how in the world are we going to continue to do this? Think of where the disciples were. If we recall going back to last week, they were not excited at the fact that this Messiah, that Jesus, was leaving them. They were kind of going, wait, time out. (laughs) Jesus, you just came into the room, you washed our feet, then out of nowhere you tell us that one of us are going to betray you. To which they're looking around going, okay, what does betrayal mean? They didn't have the whole counsel of God, like we have the word of God to know what that was about to look like. So when Judas leaves, they didn't even know what that meant. And now all of a sudden he's saying he's leaving. He'll come back and we look at all of this. And he comes to John 15. And in John 15 he says, hey, there's something to do. I'm giving you a task to do. But I'm going to tell you how you can do this. How that these, this task can be done. And he does it through... The statement in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. And as he looks at that, he begins to teach them and he begins to, he he begins to, he really using an analogy and he says, hey, I am the vine. He says, if you abide in me, if you would, would cling on, if you would, if you would just rest in me 
It's not going to be easy, but if you rest in me, I will give you everything that you need to continue in the task that needs to be done as I'm gone until I come back. Will you abide in me? As we were studying through this, uh, uh, Mike was in the office and we were talking and, and we were looking at this, the, this passage a little bit, Mike McKenzie there, and, and he made this statement. He said, if we really get to the heart of this passage of Scripture, it's almost like we take our everyday Christian life. Most people that sit in this room would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Some of you may have never come to that place. Maybe today God would tug upon your heart and you would make that decision. But it's that we would take this and if we truly grasp a hold of God being the vine as we are attached, as we are grafted in, as we truly cling upon and continue in the vine, it's like we can see our relationship, how much deeper that it is and really how great of a relationship that God desires to have for us and with us. God doesn't, what does he say? He says in the word of God that he desires that we would have an abundant life. See, the only way that we can have an abundant life is to stay in, abide in the vine, and he gives us all the nutrients, all the things that we need. You may not be where I'm at, but my problem is this. I would often rather be the vine than cling into the vine. Because so many times in my life, I've got it all ordered out. Hey, I know what I want to do. I've got my goals, I've got my this, I've got my that, and I'll get there. I would rather do that sometimes than tend to say, God, uh, I'm gonna, I'll, just, I'll hang on to you, and I'll let you lead that. And so we come to this passage of Scripture, the final statement, a conclusion to the series, that we would know who Christ is. I've said this almost every single week. Jesus is not playing hide-and-go-seek with us. He's not just out there waiting for somebody to find Him. Jesus has made it very clear. He's made it very appointed that... He's, he's, he's made it available to us through the Word of God. He's made it available to us through His creation. He's made it available to us, uh, God, in sending His Son, that He is there. He desires to know you and me. He desires that we would be in relationship. And He's not just hiding. <laughs> well, maybe they'll find me. The last six weeks we've looked at, Jesus says, hey, I am the bread of life. Hey, I'm here to give you all the nutrients, all the nourishment that you need. Just come and, come and eat from me. He says, hey, I am the light of the world. Hey, I am the one. I will illuminate everything. I will open it up. I am the light. Hey, I am the door. And as we read at that time, he would lay his life, he would lay down at the door of the, of the sheepfold and he would only, the only way that it came in is if it came through the sheepfold. The only way that it got out is if it got out of the sheepfold. I am the door, only in me can you, open, can you enter. And we went through these whole, all of this series looking at who Jesus says that he is. He desires to know us. But not only that, he desires that we would know Today, as we conclude, 
this isn't so much about do we know that Jesus is the bread of life? Yes, Jesus came and he died on the cross. He rose again three days. I already know that. I've been to church all my life. Today is one of those days, I feel that there's going to be some depth to the day that hopefully will be in some ways, I don't want to say hard to grasp, but hard to grasp. Because there's some truths in this passage of Scripture that I think oftentimes, even as somebody like myself, I've grown up in church. There's not many days in my life that I've missed church. This is all that I've known. But as I've really studied this out, and as I've really read through this myself, I'm looking at this going, wow, this, there's serious stuff here. Because there's people that sit in this room today. And I don't say this out of fear, I don't say this out of anything, but there are people, if the Word of God is true, which I believe that it is, there's people that will one day say, Lord, Lord, and He will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because why? They never abided in the vine. They professed with their mouth, but they never developed a relationship with God. And as we look at this passage today, it's not to make you doubt. That's not at all what this is. But I believe that the Word of God is very clear that as we abide, that we will see the fruit of that. John chapter 15 is where we'll be. I'm going to teach through every verse, and then I'm going to go back and, and as I have done in this series several times, just give three very simple thoughts at the very end of this. And so John chapter 15 is where we'll be. All of those passages of scriptures will be on the, the screen if you don't have a Bible. Um, but if you do, I would strongly encourage you to grab your Bible and kind of go through that with me. And, uh, and, and we'll get to the end of, uh, we're not going through the end of John 15. Just some of you are just like, ah! <laughs> we're going to go through the first 11 verses this morning. So John chapter 15, why don't we do this? I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into verse number one. Father God, I... I truly believe that this is a passage that we have heard many, many times. But I also believe that as we grab a hold of the truths and just seek you, that God, this passage can be life-changing, transformational in our lives. God, I don't know one person that would sit here today and say, there's not something about my character or something about who I am that I would like to change to be more like Christ. And God, I believe that today answers the question of how we can be more like Him. How can we change those character flaws? How can we become more like You? And God, would we look at this passage and would we see in this passage that, that God, You are the only way that we have life we looked at it last week you are the way the truth and the life and God today we're going to see that even so much more clear as we look at the at the vine and that as we tap into the vine we have that life father help us speak to our hearts this morning through your word in Jesus name amen
John chapter 15, verse number 1 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. So as we look at this passage of Scripture, the true vine is the very first statement Jesus is making. If we go back through every statement that Jesus has made thus far in these seven statements, He has made it very clear in every one of them, I am God. So every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, every person in this room, every person that has ever walked the face of the earth has to answer the question, whom do you say that I am? We answered, we looked at that at the very beginning of this series. Whom do you say that I am? And we have to answer that. Who is Jesus Christ? He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good guy that came. He's not just that He wasn't just a carpenter's son. He wasn't just whatever you want to put in that box. He was all of those things. But he is, was, God Almighty. And so when we look at this, yet again, Jesus kind of makes that claim. I am the true vine. Jesus is making this statement again, that he is deity, that he is God. And so as we look at this, all of these passages of Scripture that we've looked at as well have always, they've all used symbolism that everybody in the room or in the the area would have known that he was teaching to. So we've looked at the bread of life. Again, what was taking place? Just before the bread of life, he fed the 5,000. He takes that bread and he begins to teach on how he is the bread of life. The light of the world, they're in the middle of the temple area there, and there's the four pillars, and they dump the oil in, they light, the, they light that up, which lights up the entire temple, which lights up the city, and he says, I am the light of the world. And we go through each one of those. Here, we're looking at a vine. Everybody in this area of the world would have known exactly what a vine was. Vines were everywhere. It was on their coins. It was around the temple. It was something. The vineyards were everywhere. It was not something that they would have gone, what? Please help me. I don't understand what this is. They would have known very well what a vine was. They would have known what branches were. Nothing would have caught them off guard. And so Jesus says, I am the true vine. And as we continue on in that passage, it says, and my father is the husbandman. My father is the vineyard or the the vine dresser. So God, so Jesus is saying, but my father, God, he is the one who's going to, the vine dresser would do what? The vine dresser would till and prepare all the soil. The vine dresser would cut in and they would come in and they would, they would cut off and prune. The vine dresser would make sure that the vine would grow and flourish where it was and have all the things that it needed to have so much as he could do his best in that time. There was, uh, they knew very much of the vine. And so when we look at this, the vine, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back a smidge, but the vine itself was something that Israel was considered. There's three different kinds of vines in Scripture, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we have the past vine, which would have been the nation of Israel. You can see things of that in uh, Psalms and in Isaiah chapter 5 and Jeremiah chapter 2, Hosea chapter 10. Um, But God was transplanted. God had transplanted Israel. They had the blessing of God in Isaiah. Uh, We look at all of those things. God basically said, hey, you are my chosen people. And then what did they do with it? They floundered it. They didn't grow true fruit. They didn't grow. It says in the, in the Word of God, it says that they grew, they, were, they, be, they grew wild fruit. So we look at that, and God did everything. God disciplined them. God, God 
chasing them. God did everything and basically took it away. And what did they do with it in Matthew or in the New Testament? They killed him. They arrested him and they hung him on the cross. So we have the past vine, the nation of Israel. We have the future vine of the earth, which is uh, looking into Revelation chapter 14. We would see some of that. The Gentile world system is ripening for a judgment of God. I would say that we can see that everywhere around us. I don't know where your belief system is, but I watch the news and I see a whole bunch of stuff and I'm like, oh my word, this is crazy. The world system is ready for the judgment of God. And so we see that the, the, the future vine, believers are the branches of heaven, non-believers are of the vine of the earth, which will be cut down, destroyed at Christ's return. The present vine is what we're looking at, that Jesus is the true vine in John chapter 15. Israel's rejection made them disqualified as a primary channel for God's blessing on the earth. Jesus then comes as the vine through which blessing would come. Which takes us to what I just made reference to, the vine dresser or the husbandman that would care for, that would, that would do the pruning, that would do those things. In John chapter number 15 and verse number 2 it says this, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that, uh, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he's going to purge it that it would bring forth more fruit. We look at that, there's basically, it's going to give you two different types of people. Two different types of branches. Do we see it? What do we got in that passage of Scripture? I'm going to ask him. This is a classroom today. Two different types of people. When we look at that passage of Scripture, what are those? There's those that what? Bear fruit and don't bear fruit. So we have those that are of the, the true brine, or br- br- brine, the true vine, or those that are of a false brine. <laughs> Here we go! Vine. I'm looking at the word branch and I'm saying vine. Anyway, so we have that. So we see the true branch. The true branch in this passage in verse number 2 says that it bears fruit. In verse number 4 it says that it bears fruit. In verse number 5 it says that it bears fruit. In verse number 8 it says that it bears fruit. A true branch, if we were to continue on in that passage, in verse number 9 it says that as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. What does it say? Continue or abide ye in my love. So a true branch, a true believer, a genuine believer would do what? They would abide in Christ's love. In verse number 10, it says that they would, if you would keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So a true branch, a true believer, is going to see, we're going to see those three things, that they would bear fruit, that they abide in Christ's love, and they keep His commandments. The vine dresser would cut out those not producing fruit. This is not speaking of true believers. These would be believers who have professed with their mouths. We can also look in verse number 6 where Jesus would say those branches would be cast out and burned. Some people would use this passage of Scripture, and I'm not spending time here, but some people would use this passage of Scripture to say of people that are losing their salvation. This passage is not at all saying 
that people were losing their salvation. This is specifically speaking of somebody who would say and profess to be a Christian. Listen, there are people that profess Christianity. What is the thing that just happened prior to this in John chapter 13? We've already spoke about it this morning. Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Would we all say that Judas, being a disciple, had professed to know God? Very real, very real right in front of the disciples as he's teaching them. They just witnessed somebody that walked and talked, somebody that served in the choir, somebody that changed diapers, somebody that did all of those things. Judas betrayed God. So this is speaking not of somebody that would have lost salvation. So we're not, gonna, we're not looking at that. But rather, let me ask you this question. Because I believe that this is something that we must have to answer, that we, we need to answer. What is biblical proof of or a biblical sign of repentance? What is a biblical sign of repentance? Because biblical sign of repentance is not me stating and professing Christ. It is the fruit that is born in my life. John the Baptist made reference to this. John the Baptist says, show forth fruit worthy of repentance. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. So this This text is defining those who say they are followers. And Jesus says it's in their fruit. I don't know, and this is something to me that I look at this, and I I believe one of the scariest passages of Scripture, if that's really even a right thing to say, is that passage. There will be many that say, Lord, Lord, and He will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So many people do what we're looking at right here. They profess with their mouth, but have never said, yes, you are Lord of my life. See, there's a difference from somebody saying, I profess that Jesus is Lord, and somebody saying, you are my Lord. (laughs) I I can say, yeah, that's true. They're the king of that country, but they're not my king. There's a difference there. And so when we look at this, this hits at really some of the depth, in my opinion, and some of the the quietness that we're looking at today. Because I truly believe that this is something that there's going to be many who will walk in this life, said the right things, have acted right so that everybody thinks that they are who that they want to produce or promote themselves to be that will stand before God and God will say, I I never even knew you. But yet they sang in the choir. They passed an offering. (laughs) I'm having a hard time speaking. An offering plate. They greeted people at the door. They were a deacon. They were a pastor. And so, I would say this morning, not to make you doubt. But if you 
Have you sought Christ as Lord? Or you have sought Christ as what Lord can do for you? In salvation. This verse goes on to speak of the pruning process, which is vital and serious in owning or having a vineyard. Because you can produce or you can prune and develop an amazing vineyard, or you can prune and completely destroy the whole thing. There was often years of training for those that would come and be the pruning part of that. So the vine dresser would teach somebody and the vine dresser would have to know exactly what time of the year do you prune? Where do you prune? What is too much? What is too little? Because the goal is always to have what? Fruit. But not just to have fruit, but to have good fruit and lots of good fruit. I don't know how many of you cut trees at home in your little garden or because we have to have something or the HOA will tell you to put a new plant in because it's dead, whatever it is. Every year, I have two big tree shrubs, something rothers that take over like the whole left half of my driveway. And every year, I take my little shears and I try to trim it all the way back. And every year, I go, oh my word, I think I just killed the tree. Anybody else? <laughs> but it's kept coming back. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can completely destroy that whole thing. And so there's a, there's a, an, a science, if you will, to what's taking place. And when Jesus speaks, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he pruneth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He speaks of all of these things, that it's got to be pruned, that the things, uh, the fruit, sometimes it's... Cutting off fruit that is good fruit. But the the intention isn't just to have good fruit. The, The intention is that it would be great fruit. And that it would be more and more and more great fruit. But sometimes the only way to do that is you have to cut it away. Proper proper pruning would produce more and more as it's done right. You would have to cut off the sucker. If I'm going to grow a vine around this Right here, you begin to, you, you fold it, you mold it to where it's supposed to be, but there's going to be a sucker that's going to go try to attach over here. I don't want it to grow over here. I want it to stay right here. So I have to take, though that is a good producing fruit uh, vine, I have to cut it off. Why? Because the nutrients are here. I'm controlling where it's going and what it's producing. So I might have to, to cut that off. Spiritually, it's the same thing. And I know that everybody in this room understands where I'm going with this, but spiritually, it's the exact same thing. The Father's goal is quality and quantity in our lives. The abundant life cannot happen if we are not pruned, if we're not molded to be what He needs us to be. Cutting things out that cause trouble, which robs the good stuff in my life. Cutting away things that may even be good because it isn't for you right now. It is taking from God, from what God has you to be. You ever asked why that relationship was cut out of your life? 
Why would God take this job away from me? Why would God take these finances away from me? Why would God do this or why would God do that? Let me just share with you. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and God is pruning and God is cutting and God is purging things out of your life, it's not random. Because that thing is not God's not trying to hurt you. God is trying to take you from here. And he's saying, I've got something so much better for you here. I've got something better for you. When I cut the trees at my house and I take off the flowers, though I'm taking off the beauty of what that tree is, when it grows back, the one that I cut now is ten. It flourishes. Listen, in your life, in my life, there's been things that I've looked at God and I've said, God, why are you hurting me? Why are you angry with me? Why would you do this to me? And God's saying, no, I'm not angry with you. I've got to get this out of your life. Because just like this healthy sucker that's trying to come over here and attach here, God says, no, I don't need you over here. All of that nutrients needs to be here because it needs to grow you. Listen, pruning is not easy. It hurts. It's invasive. You might look at it as God being angry with you. It's not. Pruning is a loving act of a gracious God who is not willing to sit on the sidelines while something is getting in the way of His best in your life. I coach, or I've coached in the past. I haven't coached in several years, but I, I love baseball. And as much as I love baseball, I probably love coaching just as much. But as I would sit back and I could watch somebody play the game and do certain things, though they may do it and it, the outcome is okay. I was, my son played t-ball, which, worthless. But anyway. <laughs> My son played t-ball, and I would go in the field, and we would, I would throw balls at him, and I would try to help him and, and coach him through swinging the bat. He got to the field, and the coach is just puts the, bat on, or the ball on the tee, and EJ's swinging and, and swinging. Then he sees these other kids, and what are they doing? They're like, mmm. And then they're so excited because the ball went in the air. Listen, if you don't know anything about baseball, the intention is not just to get the ball in the air. That's called a pop-up. It's an out. (laughs) I'm watching my son now go to bat and start doing this. And I'm like, no. I could tell my son, oh, EJ, that was amazing. You hit it to the shortstop. And he's six or five, whatever he was. And I could, oh, EJ, that's so good. Look, you got on base. Or I could coach him and prune it and say, listen, EJ, I'm glad that you hit that. But let's do it this way. Because the goal isn't to hit it to the shortstop. The goal is to do this or the goal is to do that. Listen, there's a lot of people that can throw that play ball. And I could allow them to throw. Or I can coach them and allow them to throw better. In your life spiritually, it is no different. God says, I don't want you just to be okay. He said, I want you to be having life and having it in abundance. 
the only way that you can have life in abundance is God prunes that off. I am never going to get through all of this. Verse number three says this, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You are clean through the word. Ephesians 5 says it this way in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The word of God cleanses and purifies us. Verses 4 and 5, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. This little thing without that light is completely hard to see. Mindy, this thing is... Like, I keep trying to move my Bible to see better, and there's usually a light here, but this little, at least it's not raining over top of me. So, uh, <laughs> verse number four, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. These, this, this right here is really almost the entire heart of the entire series. Because I believe with everything as I've studied and as I've looked, if we abide in Him, we have the nutrition of the bread of life. As we abide in Him, we see the light. As we abide in Him, we walk through the door. As we abide in Him, we understand that He is the resurrection. We understand that it's in Him that we have life. As we abide in Him, all of these things begin to make sense. Jesus did what? He was telling them, this is who I am and these are the things that I am doing for you. But for you to do it to them and for them, what do we have to do? Abide in me. It's not enough to say, yes, Jesus, I know you are God. It is only when I cling to the vine because it's in the vine that I have life. I thought about bringing a tree up here. I don't know that I need to, but I thought about bringing a tree up here because it's only when the branches are in to the vine does that branch survive. There's a lot of trees up here. <laughs> but none of them really have good branches to... We have flowers or leaves, frongs, whatever they're called. But when we look at this passage of Scripture... It's that we would remain in Him. That word abide, abide is literally that we would remain in a fixed state, continuing where we are, to rest in the vine continually. See, it's not, now I want to use one, it's not, I won't, I'll get yelled at. <laughs> it's not that I just, stay near it's it's not that i'm just going to be eh. no it's a continually a continual abiding it's not something that you just i'm here no i am here and i'm continuing and i'm continuing and i'm continuing in it's it's a it's a constant state of resting in christ and that is where life comes and so when we look at this what is this fruit that we talk about galatians chapter 5 gives us a lot of that Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23 I do not know if these are on the screen good uh, I messed some of this up and giving it to Mindy but it says this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law when we look at these things all of those are fruit that should be a part of our lives that are visibly seen to everybody else what 
is the fruit of the Spirit. What does that look like right there? Do you love? Do you have joy? Are you living a peaceful life? Long-suffering? Are you patient? Are you gentle? We go through those things. What else is fruit? Hebrews chapter 13 speaks of it. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Praising God is fruit. I don't know how many Christians that I know, they come to church. Yeah. How many? How many do you know? How many churches have you been to? You might as well went to a a funeral. I've been there. We stand here on a daily, every week sometimes. You stand out here and people are like this. (laughs) What you going to give me today, Pastor? No. Fruit, fruit, a part of fruit is the praising of my lips to Him. I get that we have bad days, but when every day is a bad day and you're a believer, we've got a problem. Romans 15 speaks of giving a sacrifice, giving of a sacrifice. There's growth in holiness, righteousness, obedience is considered fruit. Leading people to Christ is spiritual fruit. And I would ask you, and I can ask you this morning, is there something inside of your character that you would say, God, I just want to get rid of it. I don't know. There's no perfect perfect people in this room. So there's every person in here has something that we would just need to get rid of. How do I do it? You might say, Pastor, I'm just, I, I have an addictive personality. Pastor, I'm just a, a, a this person or I'm just a that person. I am angry because of my, my upbringing. I am hateful because of this and I am that, whatever it would be. I would tell you this, God's word, the fruit of God's word is all there. The antidote to what we just saw is you're angry. Are you angry today? The antidote to anger is in God's word, love. Do you have joy in your life? Are you angry and you need joy? It's there. What is our antidote? Are you a greedy individual today? Are you greedy? You can't get enough? You can't have enough things? God's word says, give it away. What did, he, what did Jesus do when he went to the, the rich one? That rich young ruler. He said, oh, I've done all of these things. Jesus said, good, then give it all away. What could he do? What could he not do? He couldn't give it all away. Because it wasn't about all of the good things that he did, but his heart was greedy. He didn't have that. We look at the fruit. We look at all of these things. How can I change my character? How can I not be addicted to whatever I'm addicted to? How could I change the anger? How could I change my thoughts? How could I change? How could I change? How could I change? We know how we change. One, it's not easy. But here's what it is. God, I cannot do this any longer. 
There is no other plan B. I've tried plan A and B and C and D and all the way through the alphabet three or four or five or ten times. I cannot do it anymore. Only in you can you change my character. When I abide and I rest in you, then those things happen. Only in that can that happen. It's an abiding. It's abiding in Him. That is key to everything that we've talked about. Verse number six. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Again, they are thrown away. They are cast into this fire. Uh, Again, we look at those two types of branches. There's a true and there's a false Verse number 6, once again, is not speaking of true Christians who aren't bearing fruit. A reference of those who claim to be Christians, yet have no fruit. We look at all of these different things and we see Jesus is speaking again. If we abide not, there's many who will say one thing, and have nothing in their heart. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye, shall, what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. As we look at this and as we kind of come towards the the end of of a little of this passage, and I'm going to give you a couple points here. I look at all of these things. And I look at this verse in number 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's a promise. All of these I am statements, I truly believe, begin to be played out in this passage of Scripture as just abiding in Him. As we abide in the vine... We will ask what we desire. If you do this, then this. All throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 2, I believe it is, is one of my favorites. It's like verse after verse after verse. If this, then this. If this, then this. It's the same thing. If you abide and my words abide in you, what does it say? You will ask what you will. But here's what's awesome about this. If I'm abiding in Him, what am I going to ask? I'm going to ask of His will. Why? Because I am plugged into Him, and what's in Him is coming into me, and it's coming out of me. So I'm asking, not God, I need billions of dollars. Not God, I need a new car. I need a new truck. I need a new house. I need a new four-wheeler. I need a whatever that thing is. No, I'm asking what? I'm God, I love you. God, I am in you. God, you are all over me. And God, I'm asking what you would will for my life. So many people have asked, it's the silliness. It's taught on the TVs. It's taught in churches all over the place. There's nowhere in Scripture that if I know Jesus, I am prosperous in my physical life. Nowhere. It's not about that. Actually, most people that I know that have said, God, I need you, and have given everything to him, it's probably been some of the worst six months to a year to two years of their lives. Anybody been there? No, it's what? I'm asking, I'm seeking Him and knowing why. Because I am in Him, or He is in me. 
the Father will be glorified. And He is glorified when I am in the vine, when I am communing with Him. Only when I am in union with God can He be glorified because He is glorified by my spiritual fruit. And that is possible as I am in union with Him. It gives me the opportunity to have communion with Him. Jesus loves because the Father loved. And as He loves, we must abide in His love. Verses 9-11. through 11. I want to give us three very, very simple thoughts. The first one is this, and you could take the points down or you can not take the points down. It's not really about the actual individual point. It's just the thought behind all of those. And the first one is this, simply abide in Him. Abide in me, I believe, is what I put down there. Everything happens through the overflow of your relationship with Him. We talk so often of having a relationship with Christ here because that's the foundation. Abiding doesn't happen outside of knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. First and foremost, do you have a personal relationship with God? Not I come to church, not I grew up in church, not I sing in the choir, not I am a deacon, not any of those things. Do you have a personal one-on-one relationship with God? Because it's only in that that I can abide. Communion happens as we are reconciled to God. No communion without union. Without salvation, there is no abiding. Abiding is an inward, enduring, personal communion with God. If I were to look at this, and I've used this illustration many, many, many times, me and my wife married July 20th will be 17 years, right? I even wrote it down so I didn't get it wrong. No, I'm just kidding. July 20th, 2002, we signed a piece of paper with a pastor who was legal and licensed to marry us. If we would have signed the piece of paper, legally we were in union together. We could have spent the rest of our lives having been married. And that's it. Or, we could have signed a piece of paper. And then we could have day after day after day after day after day after day after day walked together, talked together, served together, love each other, fight for each other, do all of those things, communing together to build a relationship. We were legally married because the paper said so. Though we've never stayed in the same house for the last 17 years, we're legally married. That's my wife. I don't know anything about her, but that's my wife. But no, we... We serve together, we love together, we talk. She knows me, I know her. We're constantly striving to be in greater communion, greater relationship together. So many people signed a piece of paper of salvation, but never communed with God. 
And that's scary. That's scary. But that's not what Christ is after. Christ desires that we would know him, that we would be in relationship to him. And the only way that that happens is to abide in him. Not all believers have communion, even though they may have union. Many Christians, instead of accepting God's invitation to enter his throne room, I love this quote, many Christians, instead of accepting God's invitation to enter his throne room, stand alone outside the door, uncertain and ashamed. Christ beckons them to his banqueting table and offers them a room in his house but they foolishly give up the glory of the life He has offered. They come to Jesus as Redeemer, but never go beyond the doorway to abide in Him and experience the unspeakable joy of dwelling with the King of Kings. I would ask you, and I could go stand at the door, are you standing at the door watching everything going on and you're looking out and you're going, man, that dude's just too much of a Jesus freak for me. That guy's too much on fire. That guy's just weird. What happens if you just walked in? God's inviting you in. What happens if you just walked in? You might get on the inside and go, wow, this isn't so weird after all. I am hanging out with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He wants to know me. Abide in Him. Without me, it says in chapter or verse number 5, without me you can do nothing. We must recognize and realize without Christ, I can do nothing. This entire passage, speaking of being connected, of abiding continually in Christ, in, in God, in the vine, And I would ask, go back to what I've said already. Do you want to be more like Christ? Then I have to abide in Him. And as I grasp a hold of it, I understand, wow, I really, there's no part of my life that I can do anything outside of Him. Are you more willing to abide and be the vine yourself than to cling on to God as the vine. Without Him, we can do nothing. It takes time to grow into Jesus. Do not expect to abide in Him unless you will give Him that time. I don't know, some people just, yeah, I came to know Jesus and I'm really angry because my life didn't change. Why are all these things happening? I don't know. When was the last time you picked up the Word of God? When was the last time you had a relationship with God? We have to abide and rest in Him to experience the things that we desire in this Christian life. You know what? There's times in my Christian life where I've not abided the way that I ought to. And God is just gracious. God is gracious. But man, is it amazing to walk with God. To allow him to flourish in me and to allow it to pour out of me. It, retire, it requires time. There's been much of my Christian life that I didn't truly grasp a hold of the reality that without God, 
I can do nothing. Because I always look at it and go, well, I'm, I'm pretty talented in this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And it's easy to be all about me. It's easy to be all about me. Just like for you, it's easy to be all about you. As opposed to abiding and resting and realizing that without Him, you can do nothing. And the last thought is that my joy would be full. Verse number 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This morning, and as we conclude this entire series, all of these I am statements, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life, we go through all of these different sayings and thoughts and statements. And all of them are there to know, for God to say, hey, you can know me. But in all of that, he says, hey, just abide, just rest, continually stay in me. And as we go through this, you're going to love. As we go through this, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. But here's what it is, that my joy would be full. Listen, what happens when your joy is full? How many of you have went and seen a really good movie lately? Good, nobody. Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. Half of the world went and saw some, I almost said a dumb movie. Half of the world went and saw some superhero movie a couple weeks ago. And half of you went and saw it. Because I saw it on your Facebooks. Who's seen a good movie? What happens when we go see a good movie? We talk about it. What happens? I am in love with my wife. You know what I do? I talk about it. Man, my wife and my kids aren't the worst part of my world. My children sometimes make me think they are. (laughs) I love my children. They're not a problem in my world. They are my world. And because of my children, I talk about my kids. I talk about my wife. Why? Because she's awesome. And you ought to feel the same way about your kids and your wives and your husbands. Why? Because they bring joy to my life and they bring joy to my life. I speak about it. Listen, God's word says to abide in him. And as we abide in him, my joy would be full. When my joy is full, it is going to pour out of me and pour out of me and pour out of me. And I'm going to tell people about it. Why? The Bible says this. If we were to continue, we don't have time. If we were to continue to go through this, it says that because of those things, the love would pour out. How will they know that you are my disciples? By the way that you love me. Love one another. Sorry. But where does that come from? Abiding in him and it pours out of me. There's so much. But when we look at this and we close out this series this morning. God's word says. Hey. I'm leaving. These are all of the things that 
that I will do and that I have done for you. Hey, I need you to go do a task. And the only way for you to finish the task is what? To remain, to abide in Him. And that He will produce fruit in you. And that He will do that in you. That your joy would be full. When my joy is full, I will shout, I will praise. When my joy is full, I will sacrificially give. When my joy is full, I will see the blessings of God. When my joy is full, I will do all of those things. And the work will continue. But as I abide in the vine. As I abide in the vine. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.